I turn your attention to a, a story, and this story is, <laughs> is rather long, uh, it's colorful, and it's hilarious. And yet in the midst of it, it's serious and has major life consequences. The Bible tells us that as Israel exits Egypt, they proceed through the wilderness and they find themselves close to the land of Moab. And the king of Moab and the people of Moab begin to get nervous about this horde of people that have exited Egypt and are wandering their way through the wilderness. And so the king of Moab sends for a prophet. He wants a prophet to come, and specifically the king wants to buy this prophet's abilities to speak for God. But he doesn't want the prophet to speak what God wants him to speak. He wants to pay for a specific message, and that message is a curse. So he wants the prophet, many of you know him, his name is Balaam. He wants Balaam to curse this horde of people that have come out of Egypt, being led by Moses through the wilderness. And the king sends multiple messengers multiple times. And the prophet goes to God, as the narrative presents it to us in Numbers, he goes to God and asks what he's to do. And a number of times the king sends messengers and offers wealth, and God each time tells the prophet, do not go. I'm not with you. I'm not going to speak through you. And so the prophet each time tells the king no. And finally, there comes a point where the king begins to offer more money, and finally, God gives permission for the prophet to go. And the story's a little odd, and here's where we're going to drop in, because even though God gave the prophet permission to go, with the very strict instruction that he's only to speak what God gives him to speak, it's a little odd, because as you're going to see in the story, somehow we're missing a little piece of the understanding because you're going to see within the story that God sends an angel with a sword. And angels with swords do not bode well for humans. And so there's, there's been quite some commentating uh, across the years. Why did God just several verses before say, go and say only what I say, relenting as the king of Moab continues to send messengers, and then seemingly reverse himself? This morning, I'm not going to resolve that tension for you. You're going to have to puzzle on that for a few more years. I don't have an answer. I don't know quite how that is. But I want to drop into the story where Balaam takes off on his donkey. And that might be the part that you most acutely remember from this story if you've ever heard it before in your life. If you haven't, stay tuned. This is very funny. Very serious, but still very funny. In fact, I thought this morning perhaps I shouldn't be the one preaching it. Perhaps Sister Rachel should. It would be much more colorful if she did it. I don't know who would be the donkey. But Desi, if I were you, 
and she ever proposes preaching something about Balaam and the donkey, get sick. So verse 21 tells us that the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. That's the part I'm not sure what's going on. Some commentators say God reversed his opinion. Some say he got tired of Balaam bugging him about it. Others think that perhaps Balaam was going about it with the wrong way and Perhaps even God saw what was in Balaam's heart. We do not know. He's angry with Balaam for going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. Now, I do think it's important to not overread the text. It did not say, and God could just as well have told us this, that he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to kill him. Now, I understand the sword later, etc. We, we get the inference that that was a possible outcome, but I want you to see in the text, it says that he was to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field. But Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by the angel of the Lord and in so doing crushed Balaam's foot against one of those vineyard walls. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. And in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Now, here's where things get interesting. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Now, you just stop right there. I know we've read the Bible a lot. I understand all of that. But you just stop. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Before you get to what he even says, donkeys don't speak. Got that? You don't even need to have grown up on a farm to know that. You don't need to have an agrarian background to know that. Talking animals are for C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. And even there, not all animals talk. The Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak, and he said, what have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? Now, here's where it really gets weird. It's one thing to have God give a donkey the ability to speak. It's one thing to have the donkey speak to you. It's a whole nother level of crazy when you talk back to the donkey. <laughs> my kids think that's the spirit that's on me as I'm driving my car and somebody's being aggressive and trying to cut me off and they tap my aggressiveness and then I start a litany of talking to them. 
You're not going to cut me off. You watch this. You go ahead and take me out. This truck's bigger than all of you. You're going to get a hurting if you get in my way. You better back off there. Pray for your pastor. I don't have road rage, but I do get a little ticked off every once in a while. That's one of many reasons why I should not ever have a gun. My mouth is good enough. Balaam says, you made me look like a fool. Now somebody, I haven't heard anybody ask this. You do realize there are Moabite officials with him, right? So, I, I, so what, a, what did they hear? What did they not hear? What did they think? Did they hear the donkey? Did they not hear the donkey? Did they think Balaam's lost his, you know, his mind? It made me look like a fool. Balaam shouts. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. This is a nice piece of irony here. The angel of the Lord has a sword. Capable of killing Balaam. If I had a sword, I'd kill you. The donkey replies, but I am the same donkey you've ridden all your life. Have I ever done anything like this before? To which Balaam follows up and answers, no. <laughs> Holy mackerel, this is like the weirdest thing going on. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. The angel asked the exact same thing the donkey asked. Why'd you beat your donkey those three times? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a very unorthodox topic. Lessons from a donkey. Trust me, I argued with God about this sermon, and I'm not really for sure why it is this morning. But the Lord laid on my heart in the middle of the night that I needed to talk to you about Balaam's donkey. There's a couple of things that I want to, to draw your attention to with regard to this story. And you can go and read on in Numbers about how it unfolds and what Balaam does, and you'll see why God was resisting him. The first thing I want you to understand is that if God really wants to kill you, a donkey won't save you. And that's why I pointed out to you that despite the sword and here in the latter part of the story, you hear the angel of the Lord speaking as if he is God. And so this points to the very real possibility that this angel of the Lord was none other than a manifestation of God himself standing there. But both times, it is to block Balaam's path. It is to resist 
the decision that he's making. I did not see what Sister Rachel was going to speak to us this morning. I did not have access to that until after the Lord had already laid this on my heart. But you've got to understand that God is not interested in affirming you. He is interested in saving you. Why is God so mean? He's not. He could kill you at any moment. He could take your breath away at any moment. He could take you out of this life at any moment. God's not wanting to kill you, but he is wanting to resist you. He's wanting to resist me in my choices that lead to sin. He's wanting to resist me in my choices that lead to rebellion. He's wanting to resist me in those things where I, for my own reasons, whether it be fame or wealth or access or power, he does not want me to be lost. And so God will resist me. So the point is, is that no human being, and you, I think you're already there, but if you haven't got it, the rest of this sermon, when I speak of a donkey, I really don't speak of a literal donkey speaking to you. God sends messengers that speak into our lives, and those messengers will be as unorthodox and as unexpected as a donkey speaking to Balaam. You'll have every reason to disregard the messenger. You'll have every reason to ignore the messenger. You'll have every reason to beat the messenger. But you got to understand that if God really wanted to kill you, he's not going to send a messenger to you. He's just going to kill you. He has all power in heaven and in earth. He has the ability to take your life. He has the ability to end it now. So when messengers come to us and they, they do things and they say things that irritate us, that embarrass us, that press in on expectations that we have and that force us into things that pinch us, bring us into conflict, you got to understand that those messengers, you better make sure that they are not coming from God. They're not there for your ill will. They're not there for your punishment. They're not there for your destruction because if God wants to kill you, a donkey's not going to save you. Uh, this is not one of my main points, but by the way, I just want it noted no matter your response, God's not killing the donkey. You can rant and rail and ignore the messenger. And when the message has been delivered and everything is done, the donkey will live. The angel was explicit. He said, I got this sword. If I need to, I'll kill you, Balaam, and I'll leave the donkey alive. 
See, sometimes we don't like the messenger and we want to call fire from heaven down on the messenger and we, we want to get upset with whoever it is God has sent to speak things into our lives. And sometimes it's a spouse and sometimes it's our children. Sometimes it's a pastor. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a brother and sister in Christ. There's any number of mixture of donkeys that show up. God's not going to kill the donkey. But he really doesn't want to kill you either. Anytime God speaks to us, it is to save us, not to destroy us. Anytime God speaks to you, it is for your good, not your ill. Anytime God sends a message to you, it is for your salvation. It is not for your destruction. If God wanted to destroy you, he's already got all the reasons to be able to do so. And if God wanted to destroy you, he has all the power to be able to destroy you. God sends messengers to speak to us. God opens donkeys' mouths that they speak things they do not know. God gives wisdom to human beings who regularly are not that wise. Because he has good for you, not evil. He loves you. He does not hate you. He knows all that you've done wrong. He knows how you're resisting him. He knows your heart. He knows the troubles that are within you. But God loves you. God does not hate you. If God wanted to kill you, nothing can stop it. So when a messenger shows up, when a donkey speaks, when he opens the mouth of one who should not be speaking, he does so because he loves you. Second thing that I want you to understand is that even donkeys can see things you are missing. Donkeys can see things that you're missing. I don't know how to say this to you, but you need to make yourself and position yourself within your relationship with God so that you are surrounded by numerous donkeys. I know that's counterintuitive. Because why would I need a donkey? I, we want to use different language. We want to talk about men and women of God. We want to talk about priests. We want to talk about pastors. We want to talk about bishops. But I need you to understand something that all of those people in the mind of God and in the operation of God are equivalent to a donkey. And do you know why he doesn't clean us up? Because in our donkeyness, you have the excuse to ignore the message. You have the ability to identify our floppy ears, our big teeth, our poor elocution, our foibles, our humanity. God can't be talking through that person. Please understand, this is not a message that's simply about me. There's more than just me. In fact, 
as you're coming here, we're in a season where you have more chances of hearing from other donkeys than you do from hearing from this donkey. <laughs> kind of relieves me a little bit. I get to speak this a little more plain because they are donkeys. Some of them are really young donkeys. They're inexperienced. You can theologically slice and dice them. You can find problems with their methods. You can even find problems with some of the ways that they read the scripture. <laughs> Yet donkeys, because of God, not because of them, can see things you are missing. What a revolting development it will be. In fact, it's already happened. When a donkey happens to be my child. In case you didn't know, I'm a rather large personality. In case you hadn't ascertained it, I'm a very dominant personality. I think the whole world should do what I tell them to do because I generally am right. I know you don't agree with that, but that makes my point. I'm waiting for some of you to catch up. Because <laughs> I think you're wrong. So it's rather consternating when one of my sons, because my kids, we, we don't hide our conflict when in our marriage, and so my kids are, are rather sadistic when Reg and I are in a heated battle or as others who like to spiritualize it, intense fellowship. <laughs> I just call it a battle, but if that offends your sensibilities, then intense fellowship. My kids pop popcorn and pull up the seats. <laughs> Show it too! <laughs> and oh, they have no problem interacting with the show. Now, see, Mom, I agree with Dad on that one. He's got a point there. Dad, you're wrong. That's just not, that's not right. What's my 18-year-old know? What's my 20-year-old know? You see, God will always, mark this down, he'll always send you the message in a form you can reject. By the way, those of you that feel called to preach, those of you that feel called to teach, those of you that feel that ministry, of, ministry to people, I'm sorry, but you're looking for everything to get cleaned up. You're looking for God to lop off your ears, get you dental work, get your jaw shifted, remove your hair, transform you into something else. Oh, no, he's going to leave you a donkey. He's going to leave you with all your warts and wrinkles. He's going to leave you with all of your brokenness. He's going to leave you the human that you are because it's in that place, not of sin, not of us not growing, but in a place of brokenness and non-perfection in which it's a miracle that we have any idea what we're doing. It's a miracle that we can even speak for God. It's in that place that he then sends the message so that each and every one of us have a choice. Are you going to listen? 
I've learned our children can see things in our marriage that we can't see. Regina and I get so dogged down, we get so entrenched, we get so upset. And my kids who are living with it are going, I did it with my parents. I'd listen to the two of them, duke it out, and I go, dear God, it's as clear as the nose on your face what your problem is. Because donkeys can see things that you're missing. Can I encourage you that if a donkey speaks to you, listen and don't argue with it. I still say that had to be the weirdest thing for Balaam to be arguing with that stupid donkey. He's talking to it. When God sends a message to you, you've got to learn to recognize the presence of the Almighty, even if you've missed some of the signals that he's there. You've got to learn. You've got to humble yourself, dear saint of God. Dear person that is here, whether you are the first time here or somewhere, you've got to know your Savior. You've got to hear his voice. You've got to understand his spirit. You've got to feel him so that when he speaks, you can hear it. You look at the donkey. Yes, you've got all the excuses to say this is not from God. And yet, how did they know that? How did they speak that? How did they step into that circumstance? Donkeys don't speak. And humans don't have wisdom. If a donkey speaks, you've got to listen. Don't argue with it. Listen. Now, I've been known to play with the translations. I've been known to play with the words because many of you know in the KJV, this is a lot of fun. It's not donkey, it's jackass. In fact, the New Testament uses it in another way and calls it a dumb ass. Boy, that runs well for our popular culture, right? So I've been known to use the scripture and play with that a little bit and when I wanted to make my point. Today, I've specifically not used that. I've not used that terminology because I need you to understand that while they are a donkey, when God begins to move through them, they are not a dumb ass. You want to call them that. You want to move them over to that place. You, wanna, you want to marginalize that voice of God that's speaking to you through something that shouldn't be speaking. But this morning, I beg you, please don't do it. Please be sensitive to the voice of God. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Be sensitive that you can understand that even when you don't like it, even when your leg's hurting because it pinched you, even when it's bothering you, even when you're embarrassed, God speaks through donkeys. Within our movement, part of the problem that we have too is that then we get to the other side. And this is where authority and voices of God are not accountable. Because you're not supposed to worship the donkey. It's just a donkey. 
Say, why do I listen to it then? Because God is speaking to you through it. Why would I listen to that which I do not? Because God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. He has chosen to send human messengers. He's chosen to use that which you can reject to reach for you and to call for you and to bring you unto salvation. Don't worship the donkey because the donkey is just a donkey except for that period of time in which the Lord opens the donkey's mouth. Now, I wanted to come here and talk to you about repentance. I wanted to come here and talk to you about baptism in Jesus' name. I wanted to come here and talk to you about Holy Ghost. Receiving it, the power it brings, how it can transform your life. I wanted to come here and talk to you about holy living, how it will transform how you experience life. But the problem is, is ladies and gentlemen, Regina, if you'd come, I'm a donkey. I don't have anything for you unless the Lord opens my mouth. Many times when I preach, I know the application, not just the principle. This morning, I do not know the application. In fact, it breaks the principles of preaching because you should, when you're preaching, know what you're going to ask people to do. And I have no idea what I'm supposed to ask you to do. So I'm going to have to trust God that in his spirit he has already or will in the process of you praying let you know what you're supposed to do. That he's going to articulate to you because all I have is what I've given you. If you're looking <laughs> for a messenger that makes sense. You're going to find someone who speaks for themselves and not for God. He finds unique ways to humble every donkey that ever speaks for him. He finds unique ways to cause us to continue to be clearly not the one that you should be listening to. But all of us, when we step to a pulpit, when we sit across the coffee table with you, in that moment where we sense that we're saying things or doing things beyond our ability, in that moment, in the divine operation of a God who loves you, doesn't want to kill you, yes, is resisting you, yes, is correcting you, but in the operation of a God who loves you in that moment, we are effectively the same as a donkey who has no ability to speak except God opened the mouth. And you've got every reason to ignore it. Oh, I don't like this. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I spent a lot of time teaching my seminary students to get comfortable with being a donkey. In fact, I feel like 
I might have spent too much time helping them pluck their ear hairs and floss their teeth. But you can pluck those ear hairs all day long and you can floss that teeth all day long and it's still an It's still a donkey. It's a beast of burden that does not have the ability to speak until Almighty God opens their mouth. And in that moment, you'd better listen because God is working to save you. God is working to reach you. God is working to show his love towards you. Not for your destruction, not for evil, but for his love for you. But you're going to have every ability to ignore that voice that speaks. I, 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 try, to, I try to look better than that. I really do. But I got to be real honest with you. I'm not feeling so bad, Brother Scott, because that's my standard. God can work through that. So I'm doing pretty good. I got a tie on today. Got a three button suit. Two of them are buttoned. My shoes aren't too bad. I did find one spot on my suit. I think it's due to go to the cleaners, but I have a decent watch on. I'm long overdue on my time, though. I use words I shouldn't use. I offend half of you every service. The other half of you I offend during the week by some executive decision I've made. And for all the rest of you that somehow avoided my offense, you don't like the music director's choice of music. The founding pastor built a weird building. I don't know how many times I have to answer everybody. Why did your dad build that building? I don't know. Lots of donkeyisms. Lots of... Humanity involved, lots of peculiarity involved. Do you want to hear the voice of God? Then you need to get settled in that the message is going to come through a donkey. Not a jackass. There's lots of jackasses out there. Don't listen to them. But you better hear when God is operating through the donkey. Because that's the only way you're going to be called to an altar of repentance. It's through the voice of a donkey. It's the only way you're ever going to hear the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. It's through the voice of a donkey. It's the only way that you're going to have faith built within your heart so that you can call out to God and receive his spirit. It's through the voice of a donkey. It's the only way you're ever going to get to holy living as the voice of a donkey speaks into your life. It's not the donkey. It's the God that's opened the mouth of the donkey to speak to you. Don't get hung up on the donkey. Hear the voice of Almighty God. I know that the voice 
It sounds like a donkey, but donkeys don't speak. So God must be involved when a donkey speaks. I'm done. This altar's open. Would you come and pray? Would you come and pray? Would you give God?